2: buy long-term securities, you drive up their price, you drive
0: down their yield.
2: My colleagues and I are acutely aware that high inflation imposes significant hardship. The
0: stock market is doing extremely well, which means to me jobs. Because we inherited a bunch of formulas from the Labour
1: Party that shoved all the funding into deprived urban areas.
0: All of their red ink is really our black ink. This is the Debunking Economics Podcast with Steve Keen and Phil Dobby.
1: Now, are you ready for Austerity 2.0? The UK, it seems like the most likely way forward there with a new Prime Minister who's going to promise fiscal conservatism. That's the term, isn't it? Which means balancing the books, making sure that government debt doesn't grow... But is that how you get out of a downturn, really? And just how important is it to balance the books? I mean, surely you need some sort of control on government spending, but exactly how does government funding work? This week we ask, is there a way of avoiding yet more austerity? Wherever in the world you are. That's this week. It seems likely Britain and, and probably most places are going to get have to get used to the idea over the next year or so of more austerity, more cuts to government spending, possibly higher taxes, less money in uh, people's pockets, in other words, and less government services, because that will supposedly fix things. Uh, of course, Steve, the reason given for austerity is we've got to control that public sector debt uh, with the reasoning is that it becomes too large. Well, what happens if it does become too large is that the, the risk of default, well, that's not going to happen in a place like the UK, is it? But th- there is that concern, isn't there? And we've seen that uh, in in the UK recently, that it will drive away foreign investors from buying up government bonds. And the UK's had that very recent experience where we saw bond yields shoot up as List Trust and quasi uh, Kwarteng started uh, sort of proposing tax cuts that would see the uh, public borrowing increase. So I mean that is a real concern, isn't it? Because there is a link here. We've got we can't ignore the money markets.
2: Well, <laughs> it's like a that sounds to me a bit like a primary school teacher saying I can't ignore the kids. True, but you've got to be the one handing out the discipline. <laughs> and um, and what what th- what throws me about this is that it, it comes down to what the the school teacher uh, wants to have happen in the classroom. And in this particular case, the school teacher when you when it, when the school my analogy of course, is to the the treasury and the central bank as the school teacher, and the the bond market as the kids um, the, the the school teacher controls the flow of money. Of finance that enables them to buy the bonds in the first place, and this is the accounting detail that means that really the interest rate that's set on the bonds is entirely, at least the the bonds the government issues and sells to back its deficit, is entirely up to the government. It's not something that the market itself can control. They can set the price in the secondary market at some point, but the but the initial uh, offering for those for those bonds and therefore the interest rate. That is paid on that bonds is a policy decision for the government.
1: But it, but in a situation where there's lots of bonds already out there that are, that are changing hands, so if the government says, "Oh, we're going to issue bonds which are going to pay a very low interest rate," there's not going to be a great deal of interest if people are going, "Well, look, we're we're selling we're selling bonds with much higher yields because you're issuing too many of them, so the yield the yields are going up." I mean, they they don't work in isolation from what they've already issued. People are buying and selling these bonds every day.
2: There right. are two, but, there are two, but there are two different funds that are involved in buying those things, and this, this is why it gets to be uh, ridiculous. So it's, because again, this is why you, if you don't have a double-entry bookkeeping view of this stuff, you, you're talking through your, uh, the wrong orifice. Okay, <laughs> and, and that is, most economists—I uh, don't know if they use an orifice—they they talk through the side of their skulls. God knows. Right. But they don't in that case, for the rest it, of this podcast,
1: yeah? I'll just turn around.
2: There you uh, go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 You'll be pointing in the right direction. Uh, stand on your head as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so like the, when when the government issues bonds and it's in this old, the that the primary dealer auction or the first purchase of bonds, uh, where you've got to be accredited by the Bank of England to be able to take part in it yeah. uh, that that all appears on the asset side of the banking sector's ledger, and when you look at what the deficit it does does as a process of of money being created through time when when the government spends more than it gets back in taxes, and it almost always does that. It's extremely rare to run a surplus, and normally what happened after it was a depression, so we'll, we'll come back to that later. Um, but when the government spends, and it already has money in its account at the central bank, and a substantial amount of money, in the case of the UK, I just looked at the figures a few days ago, and it's got something of the order of two, one or two years worth of deficits in its bank account at the central, at the Bank of England. So that is a uh, so that's got money to pay uh, for initial spending without worrying about whether it sells the bonds. When it does that initial spending, it's putting money that goes into the bank accounts of individuals, you and me, and companies, and so on. Uh, you know, government spending, welfare payments, etc., etc. That's on the liability side of the banking sector's ledger. On the asset side, that turns up as additional reserves the banking sector. Now, normally reserves used to run at, you know, at, at, at trivial levels because reserves earn no interest for banks and they, they therefore get them at the absolute minimum level they could. Through QE, those reserves are now huge. Yeah. Now, reserves used not to earn an interest rate. Now they do earn an interest rate, but that interest rate is set below the interest rate on bonds. And it can be something like about a point, you know, point one percent difference. So yeah. you get Although they do Let's issue say-
1: de- they do issue index linked bonds as well, of course, don't they? And that actually is why yeah. a, lot, a lot of the government debt that they're having to pay back is because of those index linked bonds. You know, so a lot of no, the, they, a, lot, a lot of the payments they're having to make out are because the interest rates have gone up so much.
2: Which then may actually change where the government creates money, which is another stage in the whole process. But mm. the, the, the the actual purchase of the bonds is done using funds. It's not money because money, you know, like money you can go and buy yourself a beer at the local pub. If, the, if, the bank, if a bank tried to go and buy a beer at the local pub using reserves, they're breaking the law. And they're saying they won't do it, but that's, that's the consequences. So you can't use reserves for anything other than a narrow range of purposes. And... One thing you can use it for is buying government bonds. Now, if you're getting, say, let's say you're getting 2% interest on the reserves and the bonds are offering you 2.1, are yeah. you going to buy? When that point one is of the order of, you know, half a, a, a hundred billion pounds, yes, you will. It's a substantial amount of money. So that, that sale into the primary market is guaranteed. The next stage to, is to the happens. point
1: To the point where mm, yeah. it equals government, uh, it equals total reserves in banks, presumably. I mean, once once, yeah. once banks have changed all their reserves for government bonds, they can't keep doing that. And
2: why would the thing, why would the we thing have foreign the, there investors
1: the, buying it if that if that is the case? Because yeah. about a third of all bonds are foreign investors. Why would foreign investors be buying up those the, those
2: bonds? I guess they're, they're, they're buying, buying, buying them on, on the second on the secondary. They're buying market. on the buying on the secondary market, and you get all the usual speculation that goes on in the bond market. Yeah, uh, but the actual provision of of funds that enables. The government, not to, not, to, not to spend in the first place, but to make sure that its spending doesn't turn its account at the, at the Bank of England into an overdraft account. That's the function that the bond sales have. But it's, when it, it, have, yeah. it, it's
1: when it goes onto the secondary market. That's where the problem starts, though, isn't it? Why would why, – if banks are on such a good deal, they're getting a, you know, they're getting a mm-hmm. payback on more than holding uh, cash, which is doing nothing for them in, in reserves mm. – so they buy the bonds. Why would they sell the bonds? Why wouldn't they just hang on to them? Why do they go into the well, so secondary that, market?
2: That, 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 that may be something we see a dramatic change to over the... If, if the government issued bonds which gave a much lower interest rate than bonds uh, trading on the secondary market in the, in the, on the liability side of the banking sector's ledger, uh, if that happened, then quite possibly the banks wouldn't sell them. They'd be taking too large a capital loss. But they, uh, they, there is no way... The only way they, the banks can avoid buying the bonds uh, from the treasury when they're issued specifically to cover the deficit and are sold into the primary market is if they're willing to turn down, you know, let's, let's say the difference is 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 point. Is like if it's what they say, a 1% to make it easy, and the bonds are a, tr- a trillion pounds. So they've got to spend 10, 10, 10 million, 10 billion pounds a year. The mm. banks aren't going to do that. They'll take it up. So the actual sale of the primary market is not a problem. What happens on the secondary market, that is another issue. But that doesn't change the amount of money the government is up for in paying the interest bill on bonds. Because that interest bill is that's given by the nominal amount on the on the bond, so if the bond promises three percent interest uh, on a thousand quid, then you're going to get thirty quid a year, no matter what and then if that that bond gets sold on the secondary market for for half the face price then your 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 notional yield is six percent, but just the amount being paid by the British treasury is still the same amount of money and but then when they issue more debt or issue more
1: bonds. The expectation is it's going to be that six percent though, and that's that's where. So yeah. it's not it's not on that first issue. It's in the subsequent issuances where where well, the, 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 the servicing what, cost becomes yeah. higher.
2: What again? i will going to my primary school analogy. What they're doing they're letting the bully in the in the in the uh, schoolyard determine what happens inside the classroom. Right. Okay? I, I like this analogy. I might write a paper. write a case on okay. <laughs> will well, okay. stick with that one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. okay, uh, so, well, you, so, okay yeah, so, so what you're yeah. saying
1: is, okay. So, so you know, the, the, the bonds are trading on the secondary market with a yield of six percent of whatever the maturity. Six percent. Yeah. The government says, well, okay. We currently, they might go. Well, we've got to issue bonds with 6% because that's where the market no, they, is. No, and you, that's you, what I'm
2: saying. They don't
1: they, have you, to. No, I'm saying that's what their conventional thinking is. What you're saying is no. That's well, right. Well, then maybe they should come along and say, well, no, stop that. 3%. But then who's going to buy
2: them? Well, who cares? I mean, the thing is bank sales of bonds to the secondary market. Well, someone's market. got to buy them. Otherwise, they've got no. debt that they're not meeting, haven't they? No, the bonds are still owned by the banks. Right. I mean, if, you, if the banks are getting, if you sell these, you know, well, this, the banks
1: have to buy them in the first place, though, don't they? It, yeah, well, they're I, I, buying
2: I, them using the funds in the reserves created by the deficit.
1: Right, but can't they? This, buy, the, and they can't buy from the secondary market, couldn't they? So if you're a well, bank, they,
2: they buy. They buy and sell to the secondary market, sure. Right, um, but if so, if I, they, so my if point they, is,
1: if you've got a, a swag of bonds, and there's one thing, there's lots of bonds around, and you know, if you, yeah. there's not enough in the UK, go and buy them from somewhere else but the uh, so if a, if a, a commercial bank is sitting there and saying well okay we could buy newly issued bonds 3% from the government or we could buy, buy buy bonds which are quite cheap right now they're giving us a 6% yield you'd take the 6% yield wouldn't
2: you how do you get it how do you pay for them okay now this is the this is the thing you've you've got you you've, you've got reserves that you you know there there are limitations on what you can buy with those reserves legal limitations um, it's got to be something that's happening on the asset side. Um, if you, if you, the banks, the banks can buy bonds off the non-bank financial institutions, predominantly, uh, on the secondary market, buy and sell those. They're doing that all the time. Um, but when it comes to the reserve, they can't use the reserves directly for that. So. If they have these excess reserves, and the government says, "Here's the three percent deal," that's just, this is inside the classroom, and you're saying, "But if I go out into the into the into the um, uh, fl- play yard, you know, a, a Billy Jack is going to a bully Jack is going to give me six percent," you say, "Well, okay, you <laughs> you don't get what's in the schoolyard. Then go and do what you like during playtime. But in the schoolroom, in in the classroom, you got off. I've given you, I've given you a billion. Let's say, I've given you a billion in reserves." Okay, And that's, I'm going to pay you nothing, just to make it simple, nothing on the reserves. And I'm offering you to buy bonds from me. They're going to give you 1%. Yeah. Are you going to, yeah, um, so, you yeah. going to take the of deal? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then you can go into the schoolyard and decide whether you're going to in the trading with Bully Jack. Okay. But it's, it, it is a separate process. To actually get those bonds sold to cover the deficit itself and all this hysteria is saying that if the government doesn't match the interest rate in the schoolyard then it won't be able to sell them inside the classroom that is wrong if right. you sell in the classroom you get whatever rate you offer as uh, so long as it's you know, if, you, if you offer a higher rate than you get on reserves you 're going to sell them right um, so
1: 're saying so you 're saying when we when the Bank of England stepped in when Liz trust and uh, Kwasi Kwarteng, do you remember those two it, uh, ancient history now uh, when you know thirty year yields shot up when they said okay we 're going to you know, fund mm, tax cuts mm. by borrowing more uh, uh, mm. and making the rich richer thirty uh, year yields they went from about three and a half percent or three point six percent to almost five percent, sort of like mm. almost overnight, and then the Bank of England mm. panicked. They started buying them up because they wanted to get those those yields down. didn't work for very long, by the way. They went mm-hmm. back up to get 5% again. It was, wasn't until Trust and Quartang, you know, we realized that partnership was dead that, then, um, that those rates started to go down. Your point is uh, that we should have just not worried about that and yeah. said, well, that, yeah. that, that's, that's the vagaries of the second market. Let them do what they want. So why yeah, would the you bank... Don't. Why would the Bank of if, England why, be worried about it then? Why would they? Why did they step in? Why wouldn't they? Well, because we all look at that 5% and think that's what our mortgage rate's going to be. Because yeah, I guess yeah. that's
2: the. Because that, that is determined the, the, by the second The bank is trying. The bank wants to drive. Again, this is where you get ne- neoclassical theory and ideology getting in the way. The bank wants to drive the interest rates up because they believe that they've got to reduce inflation. And to yeah. reduce inflation, they've got to put the interest rate up. So, in that sense, even, even though, like, you know, I'm I'm very critical of now. I'm critical of the management of the bank. I don't know how many of the people I used to work with in the in the research bio section of the bank are still there and still able to do the fairly innovative research they were doing back when I was in London from 2014 and so on. Um, But the 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 top management just basically swallowed the neoclassical textbook and they think if it's five percent in the market we've got to match it. No, it's a separate market.
1: Right. Okay, well, that sort of makes sense, but I'm I am I, I'm just wondering whether you know, one does influence the other, doesn't it? So when, when interest rates shot up to five percent, there was that big fear, wasn't there? That well, okay, those that thirty-year rate is largely being used to determine what the uh, what what the rate we're paying on our mortgages is. Mm. Is it right to yeah.
0: draw
2: that conclusion?
0: And uh, because yeah, that's it, what, it, it,
2: yeah, it, I mean the, the the banks themselves, you know the the base rate they get paid is one influence the cost of you know they've got cost of funds elements to them but a lot of the setting of interest rates is quite arbitrary actually marks had some wonderful um, stuff on this back in the third volume of capital saying from his reading of the interest that it's totally arbitrary what the interest rate is it's it's not the again we tend to think in supply and demand versions you know if we're going to supply more uh, to the market and the price has got to fall, which is the bond price, therefore the interest rate rises. No, no, no. It's uh, it It is, it, it, it is the two totally separate mechanisms to begin with. And then the interest rate the banks themselves set can be quite arbitrary as well.
1: Right. But the mm-hmm. higher those rates go in the secondary market... The
2: higher your mortgage rate will go as well, yeah.
1: So that's a concern, then, isn't it? If you've got so, say you've got interest rates on the secondary market running at five or six or seven percent, you know they're going a bit yeah. crazy, uh, and the government says, well, you know, but we've got to spend more, we've got to keep on spending because these are difficult times. We're going to issue even more bonds onto the market. We're going to issue, but we're only going to pay one percent. So the banks get them for 1% and they go, oh, hmm. we can offload these onto the secondary market and make a killing because we know there's more bonds. You know, this government's going spending crazy, so there's going to be more bonds coming our way. We'll just keep on getting them and then, and then send them on to the secondary market. That is just going to inflate those secondary market yields higher and higher and higher, isn't it?
2: Well, I mean, you've got uh, if, if you're getting bonds at 1% and they've got a face value of 1,000 and you try to sell that bond into a market where the yield is 6%, then the face value has to fall, in that case, the banks aren't going to be able to sell them,
1: yeah, and that'd be, be a tragedy
2: it. because they'd be they'd be forced to keep them on their books. Well, whoopie do, <laughs> um, oh. you know? It, it, mm. it doesn't make any huge difference to the government. The whole thing here is how does does do, do, do high interest rates cripple the government? Do they force the government to spend less on other activities? And the answer is absolutely not. Uh, the government money does not borrow money. And this this is the point. The government creates money. And then changes how it's backed. Right. And okay. So the, quick, the, quick question yeah. before before our yeah. break.
1: And by the way, yeah. if you are a subscriber on Patreon, there is no break. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, for the rest of you, no uh, ads. Yeah. Okay. No. No ads. So, um, but before we get to that. What, given that, and that all makes perfect sense, so treat the secondary market and the primary market very differently and the government uh, doesn't need to cater to the bullies in the playground.
2: Play yeah,
1: yeah. Why is that just not happening around the world? Why are governments not saying go? Because they do, don't they? Well, they follow the market. Don't
2: re- they, they don't realise they're the school teacher, okay? Right. They think they're one Every of the Every country kids. around the world doesn't realise that. That's a common failing. Yes, play- that's true. A common right. failing because they all get brainwashed by neoclassical economists, right. and uh, and I've had it up to here and beyond with the with the tribe, um, because they they've got you know, they've, 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 you know the joke of the Nobel Prize they gave out a couple of weeks ago Bernanke and friends helping us to understand financial markets when ne- none of the three had money or banks or debt in their actual models for which they were awarded the the Nobel Prize. So the the level of of asinine understanding. Of of uh, of banking and finance that comes out of doing an economics degree is huge, and because so, most people do it, they swallow this stuff, and they're just living the textbooks in the non-textbook
1: world. So your answer to austerity is, uh, and we'll come to you know just how much government should should, uh, and we'll use that word borrow just because it's easier, uh, the amount of money that they should uh, they should borrow should not be determined by interest rates at all. They should just carry on issuing at, at a low rate of interest uh, issue bonds that they see are necessary. Well, look, when we come back, we'll look at how many, just how many. Is there a stage where it just becomes too much? But we'll look at that next on the uh, Debunking Economics podcast back in a second.
0: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Debunking Economics Podcast with Steve Keen and Phil Dobby.
1: Okay, so Steve, one of the reasons for austerity is this uh, this argument that, uh, you know, if you issue too much money and you see interest rates go up, then the cost of borrowing goes up and therefore we are passing on the burden of today's costs as a, a, a burden to future generations who are going to have to pay for it all with these higher interest rates. Now, we, 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 we've already talked about how, well, you know, that's not the case. It, we don't have to uh, be too concerned about high interest rates. That's a secondary market thing and governments can continue issuing at lower rates in the primary market but there is still that question about how much do they spend uh you know is there a healthy ratio between how much a government actually spends uh and you know how much it it borrows in in effect so that that difference between you know what they're getting in in tax and what they're spending so in august for example this year in the uk expenditure was about 80 billion pounds receipts from taxes and whatever else was 70 billion so they were borrowing, in effect, twelve and a half percent of what they spent. Now that no, were, isn't a cre-
2: no, it's actually oh, yeah, of, Okay, they were creating. They were creating. Uh, creating.
1: They were creating yeah. Right. Okay. And so that, bonds that to is back. More, that is actually less than it has been. But isn't twelve and a half percent? I mean, it seems like a lot. That's
2: in effect create If if you say, well, okay, we are because that but, in effect but, but, is but adding twelve and a half percent
1: to the money supply.
2: Relative to what? Now, you, you you're saying that. Uh, what you're comparing is the taxes as an absolute percentage of GDP to spending as an absolute percentage of GDP. Now, the the thing the thing that actually creates money is the deficit. So it's the gap between the two that yeah. decides how much money you're creating relative to GDP. So that would be ten
1: billion pounds then added to the yeah, to the in, so yeah. So in, it's not twelve percent added to the money supply because that's, it's the difference no, between but, government spending, yeah. which is only a proportion of the total economy, but but ten yeah. billion pounds added
2: would be to, £120 hundred and twenty billion, billion mm-hmm. over a year, which is what about what five percent of the UK? What's what the economy about? Two trillion and a bit. Right, so you think that's fair enough you think that's a, yeah, a, 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 that 's that's a reasonable right. ratio. I mean again, the question is how much do you want the money supply to grow now mm. again of course i 'm leaving out the whole issue of uh, you know, climate change blah 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 and growth et etc, cetera, etc cetera. but if you 're in a growing economy, then you need the money supply to grow because again, both the, the only way you can have an uh, expanding real physical output uh, with a uh, constant or falling money supply is if prices, are f- if prices of things are falling. Uh, you've got you know, general deflation. General deflation only works if you don't have any debts. Uh, and we all have debts. So you know, the, in the real world, when you look at where growth has occurred in real terms, it's also been where growth has occurred in monetary terms. Finding right. real growth without monetary growth is virtually impossible. Now, in that situation, the question is, how does the money supply grow? There are three basic ways, and one of these is going to make uh, one is pro MMT, and the others some MMTs are going to be angry at me. But this this is what I think, and I'm I'm pretty certain I'm right, and they're wrong on this one. You can the government create money by spending more than it takes back in taxes. The banking sector creates money by lending out more than it takes back in repayments. And a country running a trade surplus is effectively creating money by converting the excess foreign exchange into domestic currency when it's repatriated. So those are the three ways you can go about creating it. Now, the UK, I believe, is running a trade deficit still, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, but by, by, a, by a significant margin, yeah.
2: <laughs> destroying money that way. Right. Um, the private sector... Has you know, I mean the you know, with interest right, so rates it needs rising. to
1: compensate for that. Then so if you so what you're saying is well, if you've got. Well, they're going to go if, the other
2: way. I mean, mm. if you if you if, if you have you've got two negative forces here. You've got the foreign sector effectively draining pounds from the from the UK. You have the government saying it wants to drain pounds from the UK, uh, and then the private sector saying you want us to borrow at interest rates like this.
1: Yeah, we're not going to do it. it. Yeah, well, yeah. When those three give up, so the so the gives, money supply is not so. Yeah, so that ten billion the, that the government is the growth is, becomes is, negative. The economy right.
2: goes backwards. That's your yeah. option.
1: Yeah, and then at the same time, pulling the other way in, you know, looking at it from the household's point of view, people are going well. Inflation is pushing interest rates up, so mortgages are going to cost more. Yeah, real wages aren't keeping pace with inflation, so we've got less money. The government is pushing up taxes because it's trying to reduce that. You know what they're saying is debt to try and get that ten billion down mm. to to nothing. And then they're making cuts to welfare and other uh, public services as well. And energy uh, bills going through the roof as well. So uh, forces in two directions. Everyone is worse off and there's less money being pushed out into the economy, so there's no way out of it. So That's right. austerity is uh, is a model for... Uh, downward spiral which is where exactly
2: we're exactly and that's mm. a, and this is why it's so frustrating people like myself and neil wilson and richard uh the richard's last name and peter uh francis mm. we're watching all us saying, holy shit if you guys sit down and do the accounting you realize that you're not actually borrowing you're not on the secondary market you don't face these constraints and if you don't create money then we're losing money for the, on the foreign exchange front. We're losing, the private sector's not gonna borrow any more money given the inflation rate and the interest rate effects right now austerity is going to guarantee the economy gets smaller and that's the yeah. opposite of what you're trying yeah, yeah. to achieve
1: so those two i mean let's ignore the, uh, the the foreign dimension for it just now let's just look mm. at private versus public sector so i mean money is mm. created as you say in what you know in in one of two ways in that case either uh, money is created because the government is spending more than um, uh, more than it's taking back from the private sector through tax uh, and so money's created that way, or the other way is that uh, yeah, banks are creating money because they're lending out, which people are then investing for hopefully for growth. You'd hope, probably to buy a house, but you know, let's work in yeah. an ideal world where actually they're using uh-huh. it to grow the economy. Uh, so um, yeah, those two ways are the ways money are created. And uh, so if in good times you'd be happy to say, well, the government's actually not spending any because the private sector's uh, creating money through through borrowing, but you'd hope it would work the other way in bad times and governments would see sense and go well okay there's no money being created by the private sector because they're looking and going these are are bad times ahead so the only way out of this is to pump prime the economy hey it's our job now this is where we step in but unfortunately they're doing exactly the opposite
2: they're stepping backwards again it's the the Mm. primary school analogy I used earlier Um, they're being you know inside the classroom they're intimidated by the bully uh, in in the schoolyard who's not allowed inside the classroom
0: yeah
2: Um, and, and and that then then means you know you have this uh, de- default, de- depressed economy and you're going to get a few more muckings out of that. It's 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 watching uh, uh, it's almost like watching nineteenth century medicine or eighteenth century medicine, with people putting leeches on people to bleed them, believing bleeding removing blood from them is a good idea when you're ill. I mean, sorry, <laughs> uh, that's one of the advantages of being born in the twentieth century. You didn't go through horrors like that, but we're doing it to our economy
1: then the other dimension of all of this is well we've got central banks looking and going oh we've got a lot of money sitting on our on our balance sheet we're not very happy about that we need to uh, we need to we need to get rid of that what impact does that have if they start saying well we're going to get rid of we're going to reduce our balance sheet what does that it doesn't actually yeah doesn't actually change oh, it, the money supply in any way though does it
2: well no it it depends on they sell them to they sell the bonds to uh, the banking sector. Then, what they're doing is they're, uh, the, the the bond holding the banking sector goes up, the reserves go down. So there's no change in the money supply there because the the, the assets remain constant. So the liabilities, which is where money exists, uh, don't change. But if they sell them, uh, they sell the bonds to the, to the uh, secondary public. market. The secondary yeah. market, then they are destroying yeah. money now, yeah. uh, and pushing did, and
1: pushing up yields at the same time as well, of yeah, course, because yeah, there'll be yeah, there'll that many right. more bonds out in, in in the secondary market.
2: Yeah, driving so the price down, the, down uh, therefore, yeah. for driving up the interest rate. Yeah,
1: yeah. So why would they? Uh, do they need to do it. No, could they.
2: Right, they, they could don't. just
1: sit there. They could just say, "Well, okay. Yeah, I mean, the whole, the whole. let's, let's yeah. keep it on our balance sheet and as a reminder of COVID, and
2: not <laughs> worry about it too much." I think COVID going to remind them on its own volition, but that's another story uh, and maybe another podcast. Uh, but yeah, there's it, it, there's no necessity for them to do that. I mean, quantitative easing itself was the wrong policy. This is what you know. i be another reason I got a bloody annoyed at giving the fake Nobel to Benanke because he was one of the main exponents of it, and they actually believe that would cause more bank lending. The whole reason for quantitative easing, which is where you buy bonds off banks and off the Non-bank financial institutions in the belief that that will lead to more lending. Uh, it doesn't create money for the banking sector. The reserves go up, the bonds go down held by the banking sector, but they cannot lend reserves out. And this is another bloody textbook example where textbook economics leads the economic profession astray. And rather than being just a vague, you know, vague claim by moi, uh, I, I can provide the uh, minutes of the Federal Reserve. Open money, OM, FOMC committee, the open market, mm-hmm. market committee that sets interest rates and, and determines things like QE in America. And they were puzzled as to why the gangs hadn't lent out their reserves. They can't do it, kids. Stop learning bloody neoclassical economics and learn some accounting. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's the first thing. And when they do it in the other direction to the um, to the financial sector, then they, when, the, when they bought the bonds off the financial sector, they created money there, but they were creating it in the financial sector. They weren't creating it in the real economy. And again, everything we're doing, everything mainstream economics does ends up pumping up the finance sector not the real economy when, when the, what they're supposedly trying to do is to boost the real economy. So, what about you know at
1: the surface level, the surface level argument against modern monetary theory, you know, which is a lot of what we've been talking about today. Uh, oh. By and large, the, the the surface level argument is ah, but where's, where's the discipline? So if the government can just keep, if the government can just keep on borrowing uh, then you know where's, where where are the constraints there needs to be something we have to have something that sets a a limit otherwise it'll all just go haywire and you'll get government spending money on crazy things I mean th- then that is a con- that obviously is a concern if there's I mean if if a government could spend money and it just wastes it that's not good because you've got a, a an economy flooded with extra money which is not
2: Look what the governments have been doing, spending their money, and most of it's been to try to keep asset prices high. Yeah. Okay? Now, if I wanted to define a waste of money, that's that's one way I'd define it inflated real estate prices that are half the reason why people are having more than half the reason why they're having the hassles renting a place or buying a place that's been caused by government policy being directed inflating asset markets because they got caught up in the belief that they had to maintain asset markets high. otherwise the finance sector would suffer about bloody time the finance sector <laughs> did suffer
1: <laughs> right care factor zero. Oh dear what a pity never yeah, mind us I'm they used sorry. to say eight, you're eight, the, eight eight the
2: schoolyard bully I'm <laughs> wringing out my cane alright right, you're not, but, you're not going to like this, but I am.
1: But I quite like that idea, Steve, that I, I do like a bit of discipline from time to time. Just ask my wife. The, the, uh, Show me <laughs> some discipline. <laughs> but the... um no, I don't at all, actually. But I mean, but you can understand that argument. I, I, but I, also, I sort of half believe you can't... There has to be a wave if... Because how do you control what governments do with their money if there's no constraint on it? And surely that money has to be spent. If, you're, if governments are forever... Uh, spending more and more money just to maintain the, the the status quo, and they're not actually spending it on developing and growing an economy. Surely that is that that's a waste of an opportunity at the very. Well, least, look, isn't there's it?
2: There's, ton, there's tons of waste there, but I mean, you know, you, you've got to look at the political culture uh, of the society and the and and the the education that's driving them to see whether they're going to be wasting or using money their capacity to create money effectively or not. And the trouble is with the whole neoliberal switch for the last forty or fifty years, it's all been driven by economic theory, which promotes the idea that asset markets are, are you know intelligent, proper allocators of resources. And what we've got is gigantic asset bubbles in house prices and share prices, which are unsustainable and with our our industrial development has been pushing us towards again an unsustainable use of fossil fossil based fuels. We're now going to go if we're going to try to continue. Had unsustainable pressure on minerals because to try to replace the current fossil fuel uh, fuel run economy with a uh, with a renewable means a huge load of mineral resources which we also don't have so it, it's been cata you know, catatonically bad government, but you it certainly hasn't been improved by the belief there's fiscal discipline put it that way
1: right and yet the, and and so fiscal discipline is interesting if you look at it comparatively. So, government spending, this is pre pandemic. I'm looking at the CIA World Factbook. Most of these are actually from 2017, so a little bit out of date. But this is US yeah. dollars, it's nominal. Yeah. So, and no adjustment for purchasing parity. So, you know, obviously every economy is, has different spending powers. But yeah. these figures are quite telling. And it shows, you know, why the UK might have been in a bit of a slump for a decade. So, uh yeah so sp- spending per uh, uh per person in US dollars Norway 37000 Sweden 27000 Australia and the United States both 21000 the UK 17000 so mm. the UK has just got this desire for inflicting self harm it uh, it should be locked away and put in a cushioned room shouldn't it
2: not a bad Living idea yeah, better than watching them on the uh, – trying to – 17 versus 30
1: – from UK to yeah. Norway, 17,000 versus 37,000. Mm-hmm. And yet the UK uh, is there saying, hey, we need more of this.
2: Yeah, M- yeah. More it, self-harm. It, 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 it is – the the end result of this process is Zero. Okay, if you, mm. if you because what what you have is and this is this is the point that I'm making using my Minsky software, which I would really love people to download and just play with the banking side of it. They don't have to learn how to do the modelling, but do the banking because when you like the double and triple keeping, you see what is actually going to happen with this idea you might have about the money supply, rather than what you think is going to happen, which almost always makes a mistake in double entry bookkeeping terms. But if you... Yeah. The, the, and the, don't the, take the, Steve's
1: when, word for it. Go to the Bank of England and have a look at Yeah, uh, I know. The 2014 paper. Yeah. yeah, where there's a paper exactly explaining how money is created.
2: Yeah. yeah By the government, uh, yeah. And, and by, 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 the private government. Bank, by private banks. By private banks, yeah. They actually leave out government money creation out of yeah. that paper, unfortunately. But, mm. but what if the government if the government runs a, a deficit then that is dollar for dollar equal to the surplus generated for the private sector. And w- when you see what are you trying to do, you're trying to grow the economy, well, you want to have more money turning over more often. Now, what if you, have, if you start taking the money out, you're going to have less money, and because there's less money, you're going to turn over less rapidly because people are going to be afraid about individually about not having enough money. And this is the classic um, fallacy of composition problem. If each individual feels that way, then collectively the amount of money declines. The yeah. turnover of money declines even further. Yeah. So you get yeah. less GDP out of the you know, same number of pounds. And that is a game which the UK has been playing for 15 years now. And really, you go back, back to Thatcher days, it's 40 or 50 years worth of it. The end result is you end up with an economy with no, no money in it. Well, yeah, well, so, there, no so that,
1: then comes an argument about how the government should be spending that money that they're creating. Yeah, they should yeah. actually be spending it in a way that is going to increase the velocity of money in the private sector. It should be All part of, that's of that's their focus.
2: Th- and it. providing infrastructure that makes it possible for private sector enterprises to to work which will then
1: also increase that velocity of money which has been yeah which has been on the slide for decades in the uk through these austerity measures so yeah. uh, so that's the other factor within it all isn't it mm. so um so why then given all of that and maybe you know what you're saying is we shouldn't be too concerned about the secondary market just let the finance sector and, and investors and speculators uh, carry carry on why why in the secondary market did the uk get hammered so much during the uh, trust quietang? i was going to say years but days <laughs> uh, dur- <laughs> during those days um wh- why did they get hammered so much because, given because that, that it's given a speculative the,
2: the, market it's a speculative right? market
1: Nothing more than Um, that, because when you look, because logic looks and goes, okay, well, you know, it's it's probably not good to tax the uh, to to give money to the rich by through tax cuts, which is largely coming from money that's been created by the government. I mean, that that's, you know, that's uh, just awful to see that happening. But if you look at the, you know, UK GDP uh, debt to GDP ratios, you know, it's smaller than Europe. For example, mm-hmm. and smaller than the United States. Why would it? And
2: smaller and smaller than Britain's private debt ratio. <laughs> yes, private private debt's about two hundred percent of GDP. Government debt about one hundred percent. You hear nothing about private debt except from people like myself and the other, you know, realistic commentators on money. Um, but the, 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 all the obsession about government debt when it's half the level of private debt. Mm. And private debt, you do have a you know obligation to pay back. You can't. You know, it, it's it is very very different, and that's private debt's the problem. So, as usual, we're obsessing. Humans are obsessing about the wrong thing. So,
1: rather than going through another ten years, well, fortunately, we know, of course, that in the UK's case, there's not going to be ten years of a Tory government. There's going to be uh, there's going to be less than two. Uh, but uh, rather than going down this this austerity road, uh, which you know is just going to lead to uh, dwindling. Finance for everybody, less money for everybody, less spending, less government services, just a, a, a pathway to rack and ruin. Uh, I, did, I have you heard of a? There's a because of course in the past there's this thing called the Great Depression, and there was mm. this guy called John Maynard Keynes. So I don't know if you've ever heard of him, and mm. I mean he he bit talked about name. it is a bit of a strange name, isn't it? Named mm. after uh, the Milton Keynes, I think, in uh, mm. in the Midlands. And course, uh, yeah. he he talked about. Actually, I always thought that was funny that whether it was actually Milton Keynes just as an aside. I wondered whether that was a. Sort of like trying to have the balance. It was a new town, so we thought Milton Friedman, and we'll combine Milton Friedman with John. Maynard. <laughs> you better end.
2: research that one for the next podcast. <laughs> but
1: it's no, it's not the case. It was the name of a town that was already there, so it's just ah, damn, a what a pity. But yeah, no, because good. otherwise, great name. Let, let's put mm. together two conflicting uh, economists, and uh, yeah, name a town create something out of, those, out of yeah. <laughs> yeah, Create something, <laughs> create a mess out of them. Um, but um, yeah, his idea of pump priming. What about that? Is that the way out? Do you think
2: that is the way out? The government money creation would reduce the pressure for private debt. We could actually use it for infrastructure. We're going to need that desperately in terms of of a, of a climate change-oriented infrastructure uh, over the next decade or two. And the fact we haven't done it, we're going to be paying for the price. Saving money for a rainy day. I mean, there's no roof on the house. Very well done. Um, so yeah, we should do that. But uh, you know, instead <laughs> we're going to. I can just see it happening again. to Be back to austerity for the UK, and the the downward spiral continues
1: yeah and of course the 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 further that spiral goes the more work you've got to do to to dig yourself out of it of course mm, you know and mm. and and we we pay for it people pay for it because they are as i said you know that perfect storm where your mortgage is going up you're going to get less health care uh, education is going to get worse you know so you the future is not looking great because you're just not investing in the future uh, and people's salaries aren't keeping pace with with, with inflation. And um, yeah, it's just not a, a happy place to be. I wonder how many years um, until, you know, until there's a revolution and people start burning the place down. And then we start from, so fr- we start afresh.
2: I'll leave it Eventually. at
1: that. Eventually. <laughs> Not happy bit. There we are. Normally, you're the one who's actually, uh, you know, finishes no, on the down. you with the depressing
2: note. That's the bad time we caught up. <laughs> there
1: we are. We've, t- we've turned tables. All right. Very okay. good. That was very illuminating. Uh, hopefully, people have got, got on board with that, and it makes perfect sense. I think we've tried to explain it as best we can. Eliminating as always, Steve. Uh, we'll catch you again next week. Okay, mate. Bye. And you know what? I think next week, we should expand on this idea. I want to look at, uh, you know, the, the balance between private sector and public sector. You know, if one goes up, does the other one necessarily go down? Is it by the same? Amount and also just this idea if we keep on adding bonds, if we keep on adding to government uh, spending and they're issuing more and more bonds, what happens? Do, the, do we just accumulate masses of bonds and what does that do uh, for the private sector or does it balance itself out at some point? So, I want to investigate all of that next time on the Debunking Economics Podcast with Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. Catch you again next week. Thanks for listening.
0: The Debunking Economics Podcast.